Well, good morning, church. It is great to be with you. My name's Ethan, one of the ministers here. We are glad you're here. It's a good day. I think it'll be a pretty special day for our church. I hope it is for you as well. Um, I will say, I never thought I'd get to say this, uh, but did you all hear that guitar solo on Take My Life and Let It Be? That was killer. I did never thought I'd ever get to say those words, but uh, it was beautiful. Uh, and listen, it's a great day to be worshiping with you. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up our series, Live the DNA. Uh, but before I get to that, got a couple things I want to do, a couple words of welcome. I want to welcome Cal and Cindy McAlexander to our church today. Uh, they're um, missionaries on behalf of an organization we support called the Chaplaincy Endorsement Commission. This is a ministry that trains, equips, endorses, and then uh, cares for uh, chaplains throughout our armed forces. It's a great organization. If you want to hear more about their ministry, they've got a little booth set up down the stairs in the atrium. You can go meet them and hear more about them. We're glad they're here with us today. I also want to say a word of welcome to Wesley Aaron Hall. Nathan Hall, our worship minister, and his wife Megan had a baby yesterday, so that's why he's not with us today. We're excited about that. Um, I don't have pictures. Somebody asked me last hour, where's the picture? I don't have a picture. I'll try and have one for you next week, but he'll be out uh, for a little bit welcoming Wesley Aaron Hall. Um, a, a couple of things, though, before we get started. I, I want to invite John Somich uh, up here with me. Uh, John is the vice chair of our elders. He's a veteran. Uh, and I've asked John uh, to just to lead us in a little time of prayer. I know we're all paying attention to what's happening in, in Ukraine. And every day the news is a little scarier over there. And um, so we know what to do. Uh, we, the first thing we do is pray. And so we're going to do that. I've asked John. John's going to lead us in prayer. Then there'll be a time of silence. And then I'll close our prayer. Uh, so John, if you could go ahead and pray. That'd be great. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you today with heavy hearts on this, the fourth day of the battle for Ukraine. We ask that you will touch the hearts of those who are pressing these actions and place in them a grace of conversion that leads to a path of peace and accord. Grant refuge to the innocent who are now feeling the cold, hard hand of these actions Protect those who are risking their lives, bringing aid to the displaced and the most needy. Assuage the suffering of the wounded and extend your wonderful grace and mercy to those that are dead and dying. And according to your will, O oh God, restore peace to the region. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things, united as one church. And in silence, we now offer our individual prayers.
O God, Lord of all nations, you love all people and are sovereign over all creation. We pray for peace today. We pray for the ways of your kingdom to become our ways, that the life and love of Jesus would invade our hearts and the hearts of every nation and every people. Help us today to find our security in you, Lord, to find our strength in your love. God, be present with the people of Ukraine. Bring peace to that region. Prevent this conflict from spilling over throughout the world as we fear it might. Forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. Have mercy on us and grant us your peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I appreciate that, friends, and I hope that we will, as God's people, continue to be in prayer um, in the days to come. Let's not forget that uh, in our lives. I want to tell you a little bit about the series we have coming up next week. Today is the last week in our Live the DNA series. Um, Next week, we're starting a series on the book of Hebrews. It's called True and Better. Uh, We're calling it that because what the book of Hebrews teaches us is that Jesus is the true and better everything. He's the true and better messenger, the true and better priest, the true and better sacrifice, the true and better savior, the true and better Lord. And we're going to look at the book of Hebrews. We'll read through almost the whole book together and just be noticing the, the beauty, supremacy, and the character of Jesus. So come back for that next week. Be there every week as we read through the book of Hebrews together. It'll be a little different than our series sometimes are. It'll be a lot more in the text, kind of a little more explaining than we usually do. But what you're going to discover is that the book of Hebrews is a remarkably practical book, and you'll be surprised, I think, to discover how getting a true and better picture of Jesus is actually going to offer a new trajectory for our lives that's really meaningful and helpful. So come back for that next week uh, as we launch that new series. But today, we get to finish our current series, Live the DNA. Now, this series is rooted in um, the wisdom of Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Jesus has preached this great big long sermon, and at the very end of the sermon, he says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rains fall and the floods come and the wind blew and beat against the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Jesus says, this is the secret to wisdom. Hear what Jesus commands and do it. That's the secret. Uh, This series is rooted on the truth of John 15. Uh, Dylan read a little bit of John 15 earlier together for us. John 15 says, uh, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
This is how my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples as the Father loved me, so I have loved you, so abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. We are the branches. Jesus is the vine. And the branches have all the DNA of the whole plant, right? That's the way the botany works. Whatever the DNA of the vine is, that DNA is also in the branches. The only question is whether the branches will live the DNA. And if they do, they bear fruit. And Jesus says the way you live the DNA is to abide in me and then obey my commands. Abide in Christ so that we can know the DNA and obey his commands so we can live the DNA. Abide and obey. And if we do that, if we abide and obey, suddenly we're living the DNA, we're bearing fruit. Jesus says, God is glorified, and he says, it'll bring you joy. I love that that's where he ends, right? He says, if you do this, abide and obey, my joy will be in you, and your joy will be filled up. That's pretty good advice, right? If you want your joy to be filled up. And who doesn't want their joy to be filled up? Jesus says, abide and obey. That's how you get your joy filled up. Abide in me and obey my commands. And today is sort of a unique day for us. When all of us together are going to get to make some shared commitments to do just that. Some shared commitments to live out obedience to Christ's commands. To live out the the DNA of Jesus. To advance the mission and work of First Christian Church. All of us together saying we're going to commit to a shared pattern of life that will move the mission forward. We're going to be more than just members of a church. We're going to actually be loyal to its mission and advance its mission. It's a unique day. For, for me, at least, I've never done what we're about to do together. I've never done it before. Maybe you've never done it before. Although, when I think about it, it's not a unique day in the history of God's people. In fact, actually, when you look at the history of God's people, they did stuff like this all the time. All the time, they would come together, be reminded of God's commands, and publicly, mutually recommit to them. Uh, Joshua chapter 24. Uh, Joshua was the guy who took over leading God's people after Moses. So Moses led for a long time, and then Joshua took over after Moses. And the very last thing that Joshua did was to invite God's people to publicly and mutually recommit themselves to the commands of God. Uh, it was my last thing. I mean, the last thing. He did that, and then he died. That was it. His last thing. Joshua 24, verse 14, Joshua says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve 
Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Some of you know that last verse because you've, you've got it as a plaque up on the wall in your living room, right? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it sort of seems like this real private commitment, but it, that wasn't its context. Its context was as a shared commitment. God's people together saying, yeah, me, me, and me too, and we're in, and we're in. And right after this, Joshua reminded the people of the commands of God. And then together they made a commitment. Look down in verse 24. The people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. And so on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them the laws and decrees And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. And then he took a big rock. Took a big rock and set it up there under the oak tree near the holy place of the Lord. And he said, look, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all these words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against us if you are untrue to your God. He said, even the rocks are going to remember the promises we have made together today. And this habit of God's people mutually commitment to a shared obedience and a shared mission, it continues. We see it in the very first days of the young church. Peter and the other followers of Jesus have preached this amazing sermon. Thousands have come to believe, been baptized into Christ. The first thing we learn about their life together, Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves. That's a shared commitment to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They had everything in common, and we marvel at the fact that they shared their food and they shared their homes. But part of what they had in common is their shared commitment to a way of life. The apostles' teaching, breaking bread, fellowship, prayers. So today feels unique to me, and it might feel unique to you, but it isn't unique in church history. It actually isn't even unique in the history of this church. In fact, what we're doing today is exactly modeled after what this church did on the last Sunday of February in 1922, 100 years ago. I think I've been clear this whole time. This whole sermon series is stolen from Will Sweeney. He preached it 100 years ago. But since most of us have forgotten it, I didn't mind re-preaching it, right? Okay. So 1922, this is what we're doing today isn't even unique to this church. February of 1922, we, we did all this. We did it because of, I think, because of something we'd done in the fall of 1921. See, in the fall of 1921, we had a... a four-day evangelism meeting, sort of a revival. It was called Organize to Evangelize. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, brought in preachers. People would come after work. And then on Sunday morning, this church made a series of commitments. Uh, They committed to planting five churches in the next five years and to send out the members who would form the initial members of those churches. They committed to giving 
over the next five years more than their total current annual budget. Over five years, we're going to give away more than our present annual budget to, to, to launching those churches and to evangelism in our region. And when you study the history of our church, everybody can tell that the 1920s was a real turning point in the history of our church. And the first thing you look at is the fall of 1921, Organize to Evangelize. It had a flyer. It has a name that rhymes. It was clearly a big moment. But the more you look, it's pretty clear that the turning point in our church was not the fall of 1921 organized to evangelize, when we made these big dreams and announced these big goals. The turning point was in the spring of 1922 when we started doing it. That was when the church changed. I mean, there had been preachers before who had announced big goals and stated big dreams that never happened. But these happened. And the turning point was February of 1922. When a local printer printed on a little three-by-five card four words in all caps and a little line for people to sign. And they made as a church together, we made as a church together, a hundred years ago this month, four commitments. The commitment to attend, the commitment to serve, the commitment to study, and the commitment to invite. And now, 100 years later, it's our turn to look ahead at the next three months and say, over the next three months, I want to live like the wise man. I want to hear the words of Jesus and do them. Like, not just hear them. I want to hear them and do them because that's what wisdom looks like, Jesus says. Or over the next three months, I want to bear fruit in my life. And how do we do that? We abide and obey. That's what John 15 says. Or over the next three months, I want my joy to be filled up. Right? I want my joy to be filled up. How do we do that? Well, it's actually the same thing, Jesus says. Abide and obey. He says, that's why I'm telling you this. So that all of my joy is in you and your joy gets filled up. So that's what's happening today. Everybody here is invited to make a commitment to live the DNA of Jesus. Not just know it, not just study it, not just hear about it, but live it. To say, I'm going to love God, and I'm going to love everyone. Because Jesus says those are the greatest commandments. I'm going to make disciples, and I'm going to tell my story. Because that was Jesus' great commission. And we're going to get practical with it, and we're going, to, we're going to get to make some commitments. And the commitments we're going to make are the exact same commitments that we got to make as a church in February of 1922. This isn't some newfangled idea. We come, it's the same thing we did 100 years ago. Now, if you've got it, I hope you got it, you came in. I, I want you to grab one of these cards. It, it, they look very similar to the bulletin, but it's not the bulletin. It says, live the DNA up top, and then it's got the four bands if you didn't get one, we got some people moving through the room. They're, they would love to give you one. We've also got some tucked in the back of seats. I really hope that everybody can get their hands on one. If you don't have one, look around and wave. I want you to be looking at this while we're talking. If you're worshiping online, we haven't left you out. There should be a link in the chat 
It'll take you to our webpage. We have a web version of this so that you that are worshiping online can be looking at it as well. We want everybody to take a look at this. And, and just take a look at the card with me. Almost everything's there on the card. First, it reminds us what are the commands of Jesus. And you can kind of see it down the side. Love God. Love everyone. Make disciples. And tell your story. And then next to it is a little paragraph that reminds you of the commitments that, that you might make today to express obedience to that command. I want to talk a little bit about that, and I just want to, I want to get a little strategic with each one. I want you to know what, what you are being, what you could, the commitment you could make. I want to know what it would look like. I want you to know what you might have to do. So to love, love God, there's a lot of things we could do, but the commitment is simple. Just to say, you're going to make weekly worship the number one priority in your schedule. Before you schedule anything in your life, you're going to put weekly worship first. Some of you are in a stage of life where this is easy. You already come to church every week. Well, good for you. You got one, you're one down, three to go, way to go. But some of us, this isn't easy, right? Maybe you've got kids' sports and other kinds of commitments. Maybe you're a college student and there's always stuff to do on the weekend. There's so many other places you could be. And so there's, there's a real cost here for you to say, I'm going to obey this command. The first rock in my schedule before I schedule anything else is a commitment to weekly worship. Maybe you've got a trip coming up and you know you're going to be gone over the weekend and it's time for you to figure out how this online worship thing works so that you don't have to miss, and you're going to find some Wi-Fi at 11.15 on a Sunday morning, and you're going to log in, and you're going to be singing in the back of a McDonald's. That's my recommendation. If you can't find Wi-Fi, most of the McDonald's in America have wonderful Wi-Fi. Um, so show up early, play computer games till 11.15, and then sing in the back corner of McDonald's. Worship along with us, okay? That's the first one. That's the first step. I will say, parents, uh, the most important gift you can give your kid is weekly worship. When I talk to kids that really are strong in their faith, people in their 20s, and I say, tell me about your childhood, they don't say, I grew up in a Christian home. They say, I grew up going to church. That's what they say. They talk about that rhythm. So make that commitment. Second command of Jesus, love everyone. And now, now for us, what does that look like for us to respond? What I want to, the challenge today is the challenge to service. The love Jesus calls us to is not an emotion or a feeling, it's an action. Specifically, what we're saying, the Live the DNA commitment here is that you, in the next three months, you'll find a serving team that you can join where you can serve long term. So the commitment isn't to serve for three months, that's not the challenge. The challenge is to use these three months to find a, turn, a team where you can serve long term. Uh, strategically, what will that look like? Uh, maybe you'll go on our website, you'll click on the serving link, and it, it, it's super easy. We just got these little pictures and the names of all our different teams. You click on one of the pictures, it takes you to the team page, it describes the team. There's a little form at the bottom, you type in a tiny bit of information, hit send, and somebody will give you a phone call or shoot you an email so you can learn more about how to serve. Where are you going to serve? I don't know. Uh, we, we've kind of thinking about it in two ways. Some of you will want to serve the church through a team, maybe on a welcome team or parking team or production team or kids ministry or youth ministry. We got, we, we, our, our ministries right now are expanding and growing, and we got needs everywhere. And maybe you could serve in that way. 
Maybe you want to serve on a team that's serving outside the walls of the church. We've got food ministry and homeless ministry. We've got partnerships with organizations all throughout the city and all kinds of different areas. Three months, that's the commitment we're asking you to make, is to use the next three months to find your team. You're going to call the church office. We've got serving fairs planned. We're going, to do, we're going to do everything we can as a staff to equip you to f- fulfill these commitments. Today's challenge is whether you're going to make a promise to God, I'm going to do it. In three months, I'll find a team where I can serve in an ongoing way. All right, command number four, Jesus says, make disciples. You're looking down there. Making disciples begins with being a disciple. And while we're doing that, we find a community. We find a community where we can point each other to Jesus. The Bible is so clear that discipleship is not meant to be a solo activity. So you need to find your people. I'm looking around this room. Some of you got your people. Awesome. You did it. You made it. Wonderful. Just stay with your people and keep making sure that people you found is a place where we cultivate Christ-likeness in each other. But some of you don't have your people right now. Okay. You know, you used to, and then life got busy, and your, your stage of life changed, and your rhythm doesn't work anymore. Okay, I get it. That happens. So you got three months. Let's do it, right? Let's just say, in the next three months, we're going to find our people. And again, call the church office. We'll help you. Stop by the connection kiosk. We are, we, our connection kiosk is amazing. Those volunteers are there to help you find where you can serve and how you can get in a group. They'll tell you about the groups we've got, the serving teams we've got. They'll answer your questions. Call somebody on staff. Again, go online. We've got a great online tool to help you find groups. Right after Easter, we're going we're gonna to launch a ton of groups after Easter. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's how you're going to do it, you know? You're like, I don't have a group, and they don't have a group, and they don't have a group, and I like them. Why don't we all get together, and suddenly we're a group? You could do that. That's how you could find your people. we got a plan for how we're going to do that after Easter. We'll start talking about it here in a few weeks. And so a lot of you might want to launch new groups as your way of, you know, being obedient to this command. Last command is tell your story. Again, Jesus is super clear. You will be my witnesses. And and we're trying to make that as simple as possible. So the challenge is that in the next three months, you're going to invite somebody to church so they can hear about Jesus. That's the challenge. In the next three months, invite somebody to church. And again, I know some of you, I know some of you, some of you are like, I invite, I'm going to invite 10 people to church in the next three months. Awesome. And some of you haven't invited somebody to church in the last 10 years. Okay, I get that. Let's just change that in the next three months, right? Let's just, let's just do it. The challenge is that you're going to start today praying for the person God wants you to bring with you. Start praying for them today. we got a resource we're going to make available starting next week. It's called Pray for One if you need help with this. For every one of these, just so you know, we're ready to help you. That's why the reason we're doing it over this three-month window is so that we have time to develop the skills. We're going to be offering classes for some of these, sign up. We're going to offer lots of on-ramps so that you can actually keep this promise to God. Today's challenge is just for you to say, God, I have heard the commands of Jesus to love you first and love my neighbor and make disciples and tell my story. I've heard the commands of Jesus, and I'm going to obey them. That's the opportunity today.
Make the commitment today, and God will give you a chance to be obedient to him over these next three months. So in 1922, last Sunday of February, our church made these commitments. And we did it again. I'm having a little trouble figuring out exactly how often we did it. I know that over the next eight years, we did it at least five different times. But I think maybe we did it annually or maybe we did it twice a year. I'm having trouble telling. But we did it again and again and again. We kept coming back to these four commitments. And we said, are you in? Are we still doing this? Are we still pulling in the same direction? And what God did in that decade with our obedience was amazing. I wish I'd been there to see it and not just read about it. We said we were going to plant five churches. We've planted more than 12 in that season. We sent out more people to launch churches. Between 1922 and 1927, we sent more people out, like members of our church, left our church in a good way to go start a new church. We sent out more people than we had in our total membership in 1921. How does that work? I mean, the math just doesn't work. Unless we spent those five years inviting people into God's kingdom, baptizing them, discipling them, training them up, teaching them how to serve, equipping them in groups, and then sending them out. That's the only way the math on that works. Because even though we sent more people than we had, we grew at the same time. That's what God did with our obedience. And they all did it together, starting in 1922 and every so often after that. They passed out cards, really cards not that different than this. I mean, let's be clear, our graphic design is a ton better than theirs, okay, just to be clear. But the content down here at the bottom is is hardly any different. Four big words, a place to sign your name, a couple sentences to remind you of what you're saying. They signed cards. They passed them in. The elders and staff prayed over the cards and supported people who needed help keeping their commitments with, you know, needed advice or ideas. And then they did it again and again and again and again because they wanted to live the DNA of Jesus. Not just know the DNA of Jesus. Everybody knows the DNA of Jesus. Like we said two weeks ago, even non-Christians know that Christians are supposed to love their neighbor. That isn't a very well-kept secret. There's nothing special about knowing the DNA of Jesus. This is an invitation to live the DNA. And so now, 100 years later, we have our cards. I want to be clear. There's no guilt in this. Nobody's going to be tracking you down if you don't sign a card. If these aren't commitments you can make, don't make them. Don't make a promise to God you know you don't plan to keep, okay? We're going to create some space. I want you to really look at this and think about this strategically because I don't want you to make a promise to God you can't keep. There's no guilt in this. There's no shame in this. But there is opportunity, right? Jesus says if you abide in me and obey my commandments, well, well you, your joy is complete. So that sounds pretty awesome, right? Jesus says that if you live the DNA, you'll you'll bear fruit. So what would you do? What would you do if you really wanted to live the DNA of Jesus? Would you commit to worship as the first part of your schedule? Everything else gets scheduled after worship. 
Would you commit to service? To say, I'm going to love other people in an intentional, strategic way, and I'm going to join a team so I get held accountable to it, and I make more of a difference? You know, if you really wanted to live the DNA of Jesus in this world, would you commit to a group where you're being challenged to be a disciple, where people call you on your stuff, and where you're helping disciple others? And would you commit in the next three months to tell your story to even just one person, to tell them Jesus loves them, to tell them you know a place where they can hear about that love and they can, be, they can learn how to live their joy to the full? Our elders and staff have been praying over this day for more than six months. Uh, about six weeks ago, we gathered about 100 leaders in the church. We told them about this day, and they've been praying for the last six weeks. Because I think God would love to do again today what God did in 1922. And, and to motivate a whole church on mission. Something more than just members. Uh, the band's going to come on out right now. And... Um, in just a minute, they're going to sing a song for us. It's a new song. I, I hadn't heard it before, so you'll, you can kind of listen to it and let it challenge you. And, and right now, I just want you to take some time, and I, I want you to read this card. If you haven't been reading it right now, read these commitments. Don't rush too quickly to sign it. Like I said, you don't want to make God a promise you don't plan to keep. That doesn't do anybody any good. But each one, think about it. Do you have a plan for how to keep that promise? Do you intend to keep that promise? Are you going to join a group and join a team? Think about these promises. And think about the fruit that God wants to bear in your life if you would abide and obey. And then if you're ready and you mean it, tell God you want to live the DNA. Check the boxes and sign the card. Say, I'm gonna, I, wanna, I want this to be part of my life, and I'm going to use the next three months to get there. Let me pray for you now, and the band's going to play, and then you just take a minute and reflect on this card. God, I thank you for this opportunity. I'm so grateful we get to do it together. I believe that's actually going to help me. I'm going to be more faithful to your commands and my obedience because I'm doing it with my beloved friends. And so right now, God, I just pray that you would um, let us study these commitments and, and trust that you will empower us to say yes to these. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.